wait But until you come home I'll just masturbate Welcome to the Perfect 10 Podcast. I'm Lana Turner, and that was the Masturbate song off of my new album, Limeade. I've been playing new songs each week from my album to give you guys a little taste, um, and I'm very excited to share it. So there you go. Um, with me in the studio today is Fizza Desante. Did I say it right? Dasani. Dasani. Ah, I like the water. It's so hard, though, but Fizza and it's okay. But anyways, I just met you, and I've, I'm so, you're a new friend. It's really great to meet you and get to know you. Um, also in the studio is Aaron, of course, and Charlie Mike, my dog. So we've got a full crew. <laughs> How are you? It's good to hang. Yeah, I'm good. I'm running on fumes right now, an hour of sleep. So I don't know if it's adrenaline or I had sugar, coffee this yeah? morning. Well, I'm glad. Let's, let's do it. <laughs> let's keep the adrenaline running. Yeah. I, I had so much fun talking to you. We met the other night at the Comedy Store, and I was like, let's, let's talk about this stuff because it, you had like this like interesting perspective on life. And I, I've, I've gone through like a lot of dealing with a sort of addiction and substance abuse type stuff in the last many years of my life. And it took me so long to even identify my role in it and how fucked up everyone around it is. And then you were like just going on and on about all kinds of interesting <laughs> things. It just, it blows my mind. I, the only exposure I've had to group is, is going to Al-Anon, mm. which confuses the fuck out of me. I have to say like the whole thing. I went to an Al-Anon meeting once and someone's ass crack was out and I'm like, I can't do this. <laughs> what do you mean their ass crack? They're sitting with their, their ass hanging no, out of their pants? they were standing and their ass was out. And so <laughs> next door was an SLA meeting, sex and love addiction. So I just went next door. That was... And that was more geared towards you? Yeah, that's more geared towards me. But as an addict, I always found myself for years just attracted to fellow addicts. Like attracts like, right? Right. So I was like, let me try Al-Anon because that's... I think what that's about. Yeah, it's kind of about like the families who are in the the situation with substance abuse because there's like it's pretty classic like the things that happen. It's like yeah, addiction so, is a family disease. I think that's what they say. I I do a joke in my act now that I'm worried about my children with the addiction and the genetic component. And the other day I saw my daughter eating Tic Tacs and pretending they were pills, mm. and I was so upset because she was washing them down with vodka. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's my joke. But um, yeah, I worry all the time about that stuff. So I want to be as educated as possible. And then when you like, but the the, the funny thing is you sent me an, a, a text with all the description of, and it was like, it could be anybody though that could fall into the, the these 10, whatever it was that describe, what is it? A sex love addict? The characteristics of sex and love addiction. I mean, maybe is everyone sort of a, I mean, sex feels amazing and so does love. So aren't we all constantly? I think it's a human thing. It's just when, you know, with addiction, a lot of it is, I mean, I think an addict has to self-identify. It's a self-diagnosis, but um, with sex, I mean, you know, it's, I think it's human to want to minimize <laughs> pain and maximize pleasure. Right. And with addiction, I think it's when it becomes just unmanageable and obsessive and compulsive. Right, because you can't stop thinking about the person or about the act or getting 
So, like, describe for me what it... So, you're a self-described sex addict, right? Like, sex and love. For sex me, and love. Yeah. Um, which is funny because I can't... It's not something I can really broadcast to guys because you say sex addict <laughs> and they don't even hear anything else. It's just... Wah, 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 wah. Right? <laughs> when are we going to have sex? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really? Like, if, if, if a guy finds out that you're... Do, do they, are they going to take advantage of that? Like, I mean, I'm way better at setting boundaries and protecting myself now. Um, so, I mean, I think... It ha- was hard to navigate initially because I think when I first got into recovery, I'm gonna. You're so young too, right? So like, I mean, I think good brown doesn't break down. I'm a little <laughs> older than I look. Well, you're also an LA wo- woman. I feel like LA women like just preserve so well, oh, you're but very well preserved yourself. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> if I could suck collagen out of a child, I probably would. Just, it's just like evil all over our faces. <laughs> right. Oh my God. No. Okay. So go. All right. I'm sorry. I totally interrupted you. So like, wh- were you young when you lost your virginity? I actually wasn't too young. Um, but I, f- I look back at my past and I did use other things to check out. I was yeah. extremely depressed as a child. Um, I grew up in a family where, and at the time, I think mental health, there was a lot of stigma and taboo, um, especially in Florida, in the Indian American community. So I was very obsessive compulsive from a very You're like age. the Indian American family in Florida. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, wait, when you say, and that's not true, actually, because there's a, a lot of... Um, Indian casinos and like I guess there's actually a pretty big community, right? I just think I, of Florida, like because East I, Indian, it's so Jew, Jewy. Oh, yeah. Okay, wrong Indian, different one. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually pretty educated in this too because I've been to India. Were you first generation? Yeah, I was born here. Okay, so then you really were the Indian in Florida, oh, <laughs> Indian <yeah>. family. <laughs> I have this joke. Um, everyone thought I was Puerto Rican until 9/11. Oh, that's hilarious. Well, in in when you're in Florida. Yeah. They're just like, you're brown. You're Puerto Rican. <laughs> they didn't know. They're just like, whatever. I'd tell them I'm Indian. They're like, whatever. You're Puerto Rican. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't even care. My sister is darker than, she's pretty dark. And when growing up in Texas, people thought she was Hispanic. It makes sense. But she's just like Sephardic Jew. <laughs> so, I don't know. People want to label everybody. Yeah. All right. So, like, you're in the, you're saying like it's depression. Well, depression is only now maybe people feel more comfortable talking about it. So you were self-medicating early on? Yeah, I was just finding ways to to check out and and deal with... I I didn't know what emotions were. I wasn't really taught. We didn't have the vocabulary. So it was just like stuffed feelings. And then I have all this anxiety and and depression, and I don't know where it's coming from. Oh, that sounds so awful. Yeah, I mean, I have a period of time, I think, like between ages 7 and 11, where I just didn't smile in pictures. It's from seven on. Yeah. And then um, then my parents put me on Prozac because I didn't know what else to do. I think there was some, I was 14, there was a picture in the yearbook with like a milk mustache and it looked like I had like cum on my lip <laughs> and I had like glasses at the time. It was before I was wearing contact and I was devastated. I was like in bed crying all day and my dad was like, all right, here, try some Paxil. And that was horrible. So the next day, try some Prozac. And that was like amazing. Well, your dad prescribed it? Is he a physician? He's a physician. Okay. Everyone in my family is a doctor. I was going to say, well, that's typical, right? Like yeah. A very Indian traditional thing, family, right? Yeah. Or either that or what, like tech support? <laughs> <laughs> and you're a comic. So they like, seriously, you've let them down. <laughs> well, both my younger siblings are doctors, but they were so scared because I'm, I'm the eldest. So when I was like, oh, I'm going to be a comedian, they're like, uh, <laughs> are you sure? You really? Because then they, what, what are they going to do next? They, they feel like they couldn't 
follow in the in the traditional I'm going to be a doctor. <laughs> yeah, I mean they got two out of three. That ain't bad, but, right? But um, do think, your parents how do they feel about you being in LA pursuing? They're okay with it now because I think um, I have some traction. They're like, okay, she's really doing it. But when I first came out, it was you know they're like, is she insane? Yeah. Like, who who actually makes it? I mean, someone's got it, right? My parents, too, when I first started. I mean, they were just like, well, she's going to play fart songs and make a living. <laughs> like, that was literally, <laughs> yes, I will. My fart song one day will be huge. It'll be the biggest fart song of all time. Of course, like, I haven't played that since I first started stand-up. <laughs> but it was a funny fart song. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, they, they were like, this is horrible, Lana. <laughs> like, life goals. We paid for college. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. went to college, too. Yeah. What did you, what did you, just out of curiosity, what were your, what were you locked into doing back then? Uh, my majors were uh, film and English, so. Oh, so that's kind of out there. <laughs> yeah. So they kind of knew what they were getting. Oh my God. So you're seven years old and already feeling depressed and depressed, I can, but feeling, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think there was a lot of cultural stigma for being a woman and I was raised in a Muslim household too. So just, you know, my parents, uh, I mean, they're conservative, I think, compared to American families, but they're within like that culture. They weren't really. But still, like when you go into the mosque, it's like women are expected to cover their heads and sit behind men. So you're getting all these men. women eat after the men after serving them. So there were all these messages for a while. I just didn't want to even be a woman. Are you are you Muslim still? I'm spiritual. Got it. Yeah, I'm That's more, very LA too. Yeah. yeah. More like, yeah, be nice to people. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> and it, is your family very religious? Um, they're, I believe most of them are practicing. Right. I'm not really a big organized religion person. It feels like more of There's a There's a lot of messages, though, like flying at you as a child, trying to make sense of things. So that can be like really overwhelming. I can see. And then for your dad to, prescribe medication in this situation like that's an intense thing too yeah yeah because maybe outside help might have been a, a benefit so what happened after he gave you the you said prozac right yeah i mean i'm still on it right so I've it helped it. it helped um oh my god it was just like it was like getting high off a of substance for the first time oh i was like elated for two weeks straight i'm like this is awesome i mean like it helped honestly it really helped you know i don't know if what other options would have been. I can't change the past, but I know in the moment that was what they thought they truly thought was the solution. And it did help. And you've never come off it since you started. I mean, I've been off of it a little bit, but you know, better living through chemical or whatever, you know, it works for me. Right. Yeah. If you find something that works, sometimes people get on the meds and then they take themselves on and off. And then that creates like this roller coaster ride, I think. I mean, I'd love to not have an external dependency someday, but I mean, Right now, it is what it is. So then you said, so you started trying other substances too? Yeah. Um, I think especially um, after leaving my hometown, I just am exposed to more stuff and just found different ways to check out. I mean, as an addict, it would, it would shift. My addictions would shift. I used to medicate with food. Hmm. And I was about 40 pounds heavier than I am now. Really? Yeah. Because you're a tiny thing. Thank you. <laughs> In L.A., that's a big compliment. Yeah. Um, now you're beautiful. So wait, so 40 pounds of, so you were eating and like. When I wasn't acting out in obsession with like a guy or, you know, the sex and love addiction, it would switch to food. And I think both, you know, it was me seeking nurturing. Right. I mean, that's, I think that's really the underlying cause. Food is, can be very comforting. Oh, yeah. 
So, so describe the, the, the love and sex addiction, then how does that work? Because I, I often feel like, I think that that's a common thing amongst a lot of people, but to identify it like that, I'm curious. Um, I just noticed a pattern for me, and everyone, everyone's different. I think everyone's uh, sex and love addiction, people who do identify as that manifest in their own way. But for me, it was getting into relationships with unavailable people. And I think that stemmed from a fear of intimacy and vulnerability. So I'd chase these unavailable men or they'd find me and somehow energetically we'd find each other, right? And would have a, I'd develop a dependency. Somehow I'd lose myself in these people. Um, they say sex and love addiction is also a, con- a what's it called? Um, connection disorder? Not a connection disorder, but like, a, it'll come to me. But I, I felt very attached to these men. Who had had no attachment to you whatsoever, or hardly any? It depended. Like, you know, initially there would be, um, I think, attraction. And then my crazy would come out as a, you know, codependent addict. You know, I've, I'd objectify these men, not even know I was objectifying them. and basically, Meaning, like, build them up as something better than who they were? Yeah, I would give them magical qualities, but that weren't true. And then I'd be disappointed that they would not meet these qualities. But also, you know, they became a drug. And when someone's a drug, it's, they're not a person, they're, they're a fix. Jeez. So, you know, at the time before I was able to take accountability for my, my own actions, I would feel like the victim, you know, and that's, that's, that's my part because I was playing the victim. You know, I wasn't taking myself out of these situations. I felt, I I felt like I couldn't. I felt like, okay, if I'm not with so-and-so, and and every, you know, every year it'd be a different so-and-so, I'm going to die. Like, everyone was the one until finally, until finally I couldn't take it anymore. And my therapist suggested uh, SLAA. At first he suggested AA, and I was like, that's not my issue. All my acting out with drugs and alcohol um, was secondary to me not getting my uh, sex and love addiction fix. So, do you, do you, would you use sex to try and manipulate the relationship too, to try and gain control or? Yeah, I, I do see that. Um, I was very manipulate, manipulative when I was in my addiction and I'd use really anything. To and try and get that person's attention who doesn't offer up attention or? You know, it's interesting. Yeah. To, to get what my needs met, what I thought were my needs. And it's interesting because when a person would become available, I would become unavailable. It was right. like this dance because, I mean... What do you want with... What would he want with you? <laughs> like, he, he probably... Sometimes it was emotional connection. And I'd check out and I wouldn't even realize. I mean, I knew something. Like, why, why would this person want to be with me? All of a sudden, I'm not interested in them because they want to be with me. That type of thing, maybe? Yeah. And I think it's fear of intimacy and vulnerability. Like, I was really, really scared of feeling exposed and rejection. That's understandable. Yeah. So you go to people who are safe, who might not really reject you because they're not that present anyways, maybe? Exactly. Oh, that's interesting. Exactly. And I mean, I think I really do believe like attracts like. So I definitely have some accountability in those relationships. And I wasn't available either. You know, I wasn't emotionally available. So every year you kind of get into a different relationship with a different person that was that same type? Yeah, unavailable. I mean, from maybe externally, they all seem very different. Um, but underneath, they they were emotionally unavailable. And I'm emo- I was emotionally unavailable. Crazy. Have you been able to find yourself in a healthy relationship now? Or is it still? I'm starting to. I'm yeah. starting to. I took, 
actually two years off of dating. What, what, how did you deal with that? Like, so if you're a sort of like a sex addict who, and love addict, and how do you feel, you just got healthy enough to where you didn't need to feel that? Or it was... I had to. I think I had to. I was in so much pain. Um, I didn't know how to function in the context of a relationship. And I was so scared of feeling, I mean, when I hit my rock bottom, and for me, it was a bottom because I was like, I can't do this anymore. I need to get help. Um, What was the rock bottom? Was it just like somebody had been so cruel or? I just, you know, I don't want to play a victim. I was involved with an unavailable person and it got to a point where even even I was like, I can't accept this for myself, but I still had that attachment. So when I cut him off, it felt like cutting off of a lim- cutting off a limb. It just felt like, okay, I'm getting rid of Yeah, I mean, that was it felt like I was just so invested in someone that getting rid of them feels like death. Oh. Yeah. Attachment disorder. That's what I meant to say. Sex and love addiction um, can also be seen as an an attachment disorder. Because you're so attached and connected to somebody who's so wrong and unhealthy. And then, yeah. And that you lose, like, you feel like you put so much of yourself in that you lose some of your identity to it. Is that kind of. Oh, completely. With addiction, it's completely losing myself. And the reason I think I, you know, I think the other side of the coin of addiction with sex and love addiction is being anorectic, completely avoiding sex and love and sometimes it's easy to mistake recovery for that type of anorexia so during those two years I'm like I'm getting healthy and I I was in a way you know my life completely changed financially career-wise family I you're focusing on yourself and taking care of yourself yeah and I did not even want to be in a relationship I mean maybe I was compulsively avoiding it but um now I am dating and it feels better. I still see some of my crazy come out, but once you can't unsee, once you become more conscious, you can't unsee. When you say your crazy comes out, I mean, I'm, I'm curious what that means. Today, what it it looks like is I see some dependency coming out. Um, I see some avoidance, like if someone becomes more available, sometimes I catch myself wanting to check out, but, um, and then the, the sex addiction, if I am in a relationship, sometimes I do latch on to that. The, the sex, the sex at, at part of it, you mean? Like you need that? It's always with, for me, the way my disease looked is it was a sex addiction within a relationship. So it was with one person. I know sometimes you hear sex addiction and it's like, oh, well, you know, she's, it's compulsive sex with all kinds of people. And that's not what my disease looked like. What is it? What does it look like? Um, it became a desperate attachment to an individual. Constantly, but how does that fit into sex? I become sexually addicted to that person that I was attached to. So a lot of times, I mean, actually, right before I hit my bottom, that person... That's funny to say in conjunction with sex addiction, by the way. Hit, that, <laughs> hit, hit my bottom. <laughs> hit my bottom. <laughs> yeah, he. I mean, he told me that he thought I was a sex addict and it never occurred to me. I always just thought my, (laughs) he said that you were a sex addict. Yeah. Why he couldn't keep up with you. That's what it became. And it's just like, Oh, well I'm, you know, I'm objectifying these people. They become sort of a drug. I'm trying to get my fix. Like I'm not even seeing them as a person. I'm seeing them as a 
as a wall of flesh. And he was offended that you were just like wanting his dick all the time. <laughs> all she wants me for is my dick. <laughs> you know, it's funny because, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Aaron, is this a problem? I, I mean, I could see it being a problem, yeah. At some point? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, a, I'm tired all the time. I, <laughs> Yeah, it just he couldn't keep up with you, huh? I mean, I think after a while, it's just like, geez, you know, like, can I refill my tank? And for me, <laughs> I was like, why? Like, you know, I, I, when I was in my addiction, I was very selfish. I I couldn't see outside of my needs. I just I just couldn't. Well, I mean, yeah, there's there's ways of looking. I guess I guess in a long time term relationship, like if you're with this individual for a long time, things kind of settle into a, like a rhythm, maybe a little bit. And you're like, my rhythm is all the time, right? Because <laughs> you're but you're seeking but you're seeking out that attention and uh, validation through sex. Yeah, from this person who I basically put on a pedestal. So it's like kind of making that person a higher power. Like, okay, this person's gonna make me feel okay. Through whatever it means, because that that was underneath that I didn't feel okay. There's just the sense of not being okay. Well, once you've finished having sex with them, you get high and you feel good for a little while, and then you'd feel bad again, and then you'd need to get that fix again. Is that kind of how it went? Yeah, and then how much time would you leave between getting your fix? Was it? Tw- did you leave them sleep for twenty minutes? <laughs> <laughs> well, the rate and frequency um, would increase. Because, you know, initially it'd be good for like maybe a week. Then it became like four days. Then it became two days. Then it became I need my shit every two hours. Really? Yeah. That's a well, Aaron, <laughs> Aaron just looked over like, yeah. Oh, Charlie's snoring. That's what oh. I looked over. Oh, I thought you looked over like every two hours. <laughs> no, I mean, that'd be fun for a while, but not for a long term. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, you were like wanting it constantly to get that validation. Yeah. It just. And I needed it more and more, which I think is typical for um, for addiction. The payoffs, you know, the payoff doesn't last as long. It's kind of you progress. At least being with just one person in there, it kind of like yeah, she is snoring really loud. <laughs> Sorry, Charlie. <laughs> She's like, I've heard enough about this. I'm going to sleep. That's hilarious. Um, so I was, I totally lost my train of thought. But uh, but you were ta- okay. So you said higher power. That was something that I I struggle with so much when I've gone to Al-Anon and tried to figure out what that means for me because I'm not overly spiritual. I mean, I don't even know what that means for like. I just I have a hard time getting that that sort of sense of faith. So I don't know, I'm always curious how that works. I mean, I think it's something that everyone has to come to their own understanding of and everyone's different. Everyone's perspective is different. So what that might mean to, to you, it might be a different thing for me, for me. Um, and I'll use the word, the word God was very triggering for a while, just because the God I was raised to believe in, um, there was a lot of judgment and reprimanding. And that to me, that's not my understanding of what quote unquote God is today. For me, God's consciousness I think I feel like, you know, we're all God playing a role. Interesting. I don't know. I, I had such a hard time with it because I'm like, I'm so small and irrelevant. I mean, it just takes a certain level of. You know, I want to disagree, though, because I don't think you're small and irrelevant. I mm. think there's only one you in mm. all of eternity. Yeah, I don't know. 
I mean, it's it, it, just to assume that anything has my my interest in mind or whatever that might be is just seems like serious narcissism. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, I, I had an interesting year this year because I had such a shift in my universe and I've had so many gifts come out of like I, the, the negative stuff, just like slingshot a bunch of positivity my way, which has been awesome. And I, I sometimes think, wow, you know, like something shitty happened and then something counteracted it immediately. And how lucky am I? Mm, you want to go, oh, there's something spiritual in that and look for something. And then I'm like, yeah, that would be really obnoxious if I were to really, uh, I don't know. I just get that. I don't know. And you look at the pictures of the universe. <laughs> You're just like, oh, we're pretty small. Yeah. So Yeah. Physically, we're very small. Yeah. But I mean... I don't know. So when I when I hear the whole higher power thing, I was concerned, like to try and figure that out for myself. But um, but I'm fascinated by like the sex and love addiction thing. I think that's really interesting. It's human. I think it's human, yeah. and the addiction comes when it becomes unmanageable, or the addiction is defined by the un- unmanageable. Well, I think beat. a lot of people, when they're in relationships, become very invested in each other, and it becomes like sometimes boundaries and stuff get crossed, and it's hard to know where it's healthy and not healthy. I mean, this might be a bold statement, but I feel like most relationships today are not ideal because I think for me, relationships are icing on the cake. You know, there needs to be a sort of a sense of self, a relationship with self before having a relationship with someone else. And I like this analogy. When you turn a cake upside down, icing can't support it. So until an individual in my opinion, has self-love, they can't give it to someone else. That's very, that's smart. I like that. That's really good. So you have found some good, healthy relationships right now? I'm starting to. I'm starting to. um, Is there somebody in your life right now that that you feel like you don't need to fuck every two hours, (laughs) but you still like to fuck on the regular? Yeah. I I mean, you know, I, I think addiction... I always have to identify as an addict for now or an addict in recovery because I could fall, if I'm triggered the right way, I could fall back into those patterns. And I, sometimes I still see that with, with the individual I'm involved with right now. That Did you pick him yourself? <laughs> Are you allowed to pick your own guy? Um, yeah, it was, it was mutual. Um, I mean, it was a mutual attraction and I didn't know it would turn into a relationship. I mean, this happened after two years of <laughs> avoiding <laughs> avoiding men you know i didn't i had to relearn how to talk to men wow yeah i mean that's i don't know the whole thing just seems daunting to me so you're not like on tinder going back <laughs> no god i did um when i was in withdrawal i did oh, what's it called okay cupid for two days it was overwhelming it was overwhelming i got I mean, I think just being a woman on there, it's just like you get attacked, but not attacked, but like a barrage of messages from men. And it was overwhelming because I got little hits from the validation and it made me and I don't even fully understand this, but it made me want to act out with masturbation compulsively. Oh, yeah, because some dude just hit you up online and you're like, oh, and it was just message after message. And it's like I heard that that's the case for a lot of women on those sites is the men just. It's like come all try and get so that triggered masturbation for you. Yeah. I can see that though. I can totally see that. So did you ever masturbate compulsively? This is a fun topic. For those two days, I was on OK Cupid. I did, <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, I can't do this because I literally felt physical discomfort in between the masturbation, 
And Meaning I was like, this what? is awful. I couldn't stand to be in my body. It was, I was physically When you weren't masturbating. During those two, two or three days, yeah. How many times did you masturbate in those couple days? Um, I don't remember, but That's it was- That's why, by the way, the masturbation song at the top was perfect. Yeah, that was dope. <laughs> <laughs> multiple times, like, um, like, if you're feeling uncomfortable in your body when you've stopped and then the only thing that will make that feel better is more masturbation, then yeah. I know for me, like super stressed out that that's like my go, like one of my go-tos because I'm like, oh my God, I'm so fucking stressed. Nothing else is going to work right now. And like, that's... I have a lot of friends um, in the program who would self-soothe with masturbation from a very young age. Like I'm talking about like four, five, six, seven. And it was something, you know, they had to deal with all their life until they got sober and had that awareness but oh it feels good yeah so and it helps it's self-soothing yeah helps you get through stuff sometimes i actually think that more people should be masturbating (laughs) (laughs) there's there's a lot of people who might not be so angry and grouchy all the time if they just took them look at the little breather (laughs) took a few minutes and just rubbed it out and they got back up yeah i i think i'm a happy smiley person because (laughs) I, i make sure to handle that like you brush your teeth because you don't want to have bad breath. You you know, you take showers, you take care of yourself. Like, this is part of your mental and physical well-being for the day. Do it. There's a lot of people who need to be masturbating. <laughs> so I'm, I'm a big proponent for it. I don't know about every every time you get a ding on the phone. Like, oh, shit, ding. <laughs> ding. <laughs> I feel so terrible. <sighs> You're like using the phone. Yeah, too much. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, I mean, did you ever have like a porn addiction or anything like that? Did you ever... Yeah, that was very tied into my masturbation issue. I needed, at the time, porn to masturbate. And the porn that I was drawn to, I think, was like a lot of humiliation porn where the woman would be um, humiliated. And I was, you know, when I stepped outside of myself, I was like, oh, that's a reflection of how I feel about myself. Well, did you like to be humiliated in sex, too? At the time, yeah, that turned me on. That turned me on. Um, that's changed now. And I see masturbation now more as like a self-love type of thing. And, you know, I don't do it all the time. It's occasional. So now what do you me, click on? What do you porn? I don't use porn. Just, if I Sometimes, well, this is how I know my... Sh- I watched um, Tantra stuff. And Tantra is a very sort of spiritual practice. Right. So I was like watching Tantra porn. I'm like, that's growth. That's growth. Like, I'm... Seeking different things, but Why, wait, ta- yeah, that's gross. Ta- growth. Oh, growth. Oh, because it's more of a sensual, loving. Yeah, I've never. I don't know if I've ever seen specific tantra porn. Doesn't seem like that because ta- tantra it takes a long time, right? I mean, I skip to the good parts. Yeah. And I'm all day. <laughs> no wonder you're at it for hours and hours. They're working on me. Shit to do. Yeah, tantra porn. Just just turn it. the, it's like a five-hour porn. Oh, just <laughs> <laughs> two-hour hand massage, <laughs> two-hour foot massage, and then finally some fucking. You know? Like, yeah, right. Which also goes on for several hours too, right? If it's yeah. done properly. <laughs> But like, what's most interesting is the best orgasms I've ever had are the ones based in self-love and connection to the universe. I might sound a little crazy because the idea of bringing that into sex would have grossed me out a few years ago. Oh, you're like, gross, self-love. Like, I want to be told I'm a yeah. fucking dumb cunt, right? Is that what you want to hear? Like, you, oh, might, yeah. you dumb cunt, and you're like, oh, yes. Right, okay. It's like, I can relate to that. But yeah. now it's like, to me, that... 
No, I love you, you dumb cunt. <laughs> I'm like, uh, red flag? <laughs> You're one hot dumb cunt. <laughs> Tell me I'm a dumb cunt. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, that's Okay, so that's interesting. So I've learned about tantric porn, so I didn't know about that. <laughs> it exists. You're, like, full of wisdom. I went to the this temple in India that was all about tantric. Tantra, like I, I don't know if you're familiar, but it's like this whole temple with all these carvings on the on exterior of the buildings, and they're all different positions. It's amazing. I mean, I want to go to India by myself sometime. I always go with my family, and we're not visiting. You're not Tantra visiting temples. the Tantra temple. <laughs> it's somewhere. Uh, I think it's down near Agra. Oh, cool. Yeah, okay. it's cool. So I'll it's put that on my uh, on your list of things list. to do by yourself in India, which is is also going to be um, Manali. Where all the hashes made. Not that you need to be doing that, but that's another place where. A lot oh of, yeah. Yeah, that you don't go with your family to <laughs> Manali. That's a whole other. That's so funny. Um, wow. So then, I guess if since you're so wise and you're so like grounded with everything, I thought maybe you could give some relationship advice to some of our listeners because I get I get I get tweets from people, uh, DMs, or um, I can get a Facebook direct message or whatever, or just hit me up online if you want to ask a question. But um, maybe you can help answer. Let's see. Um, Do my best. Let's see. Hi, Lana. I have a really scary problem ever since I stopped being a slut and fucking new men every day. I met someone really nice. I don't know how to deal with him. (laughs) That's a tough problem, right? Yeah. I mean, you're kind of there. Right? Yeah. You were in a and that's of- a miracle. That's a miracle for me to have this type of recovery because I was a hot mess. I was a hot, self-destructive mess. And it's a miracle I didn't overdose when I wasn't getting my, you know, my fix. But I overdose mean, you mean on the on love or no, on drugs and on alcohol, tr- because if I wasn't getting my fix with self and love addiction, I needed something to feel sick quote unquote sane but um going back to her question what stood out to me is that she called herself a slut Mm. and to me i mean maybe there's some work i think that needs to be done on herself so she if you see so she doesn't see herself as a slut she can see if she can have compassion for herself as someone who acted out and with sex and love maybe to feel better you're so right because I mean, like, why is it that a woman who's sexually active and exploring her her sexuality, why is that a bad thing? Yeah, and a slut is definitely not a good word for somebody who. It's a charged word with judgment attached to it. Totally. And if she thinks of herself as a slut, or you know, how can you have the self love to be present for someone who is available? You know. Yeah. How- you know that that's I think relationships are arenas to like for all your all your character defects to come out and <laughs> they really are like it's just if you want to work on yourself and you want that shit to come out get in a relationship because it, it's gonna come out good and bad right yeah you can learn from both of them it's, yeah if you have an awareness yeah no I feel like um many aspects of my ex's like flaws created a like a slingshot in me to be the exact opposite of those things. Like I became extremely active physically in exercise because he was completely inactive. So, I mean, like there's things that you see in your partner that you're like, I, and then also wanting your partner to maybe get better. And so you start making positive choices as opposed to going down that negative well. So I think that's interesting. But if she's got a, a guy that she likes and he likes her, then definitely like, 
work on trying to find the positive parts of that and working on yourself in a positive way. And calling yourself a slut, my dear, is not a positive take on that, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't want to tell anyone what to do, but to me, that what I see is self-judgment there, and that can be replaced with self-love, ideally. I she like, deserves it. I feel like we need we like a do. soundtrack under you when you talk. <laughs> like, I am like, not a guru. Like some good music, like playing underneath you, where you're like dis- like disposing wisdom, because that's really good. I think yeah. If you, the best thing you could do for your partner and yourself is to work on yourself. Yeah, very good. I think you should make t-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> Without a doubt. Sell them at shows. That's my merch. Yeah. <laughs> work on yourself, bitches. <laughs> Sluts. Hey, whores. You need to work on yourself, you big slut. <laughs> dumb cunts. <You> dumb cunts. <laughs> work on- hey, love yourself, dumb cunt. <laughs> Get some self-esteem there, stupid. <laughs> oh, my God. It's been so fun. You're so cool hanging out with I would like to hang out with you more. Where can people find you also so that I think you're going to get people asking you questions? Oh, yeah. Um, com. My name's a little hard to spell. Yeah, you're going to spell that like three times. Um, actually, you know, the Fizza links to it. So uh, the word the, T H E, and then my first name, F I Z A A. So one Z and two A's. That's com. so confusing. I know. T H E F I Z A A. Yes. A A, which we can remember because. <laughs> so the T H E F I Z A A. Yeah. And that's your website. Yeah, it links to fizzadasani.com, which is my other domain name. So, so it'll link to that, and then everyone can find Twitter, Facebook, yeah, all that it's stuff all on my through, website. Yeah, because that's good. Because otherwise, if they have to remember at the Fizza and at the. And they so just it's at Fizza Dasani. Yeah, that, that, see, that gets too much. <laughs> so you're smart. So it's the Fizza F I Z A A. Dot com. com. Okay, that's good. That makes it easier. Um, guys, thank you. Is there anything else you want to share? Any last words of parting wisdom? Yeah, no, thanks. Just thanks for having me and, and letting me share. Oh, no, it's great. And you're, I think you're great to hang out with, too. It's, it's really nice to talk to people who get it. Oh, I, I have a lot to learn. You're, you're, pretty, you're pretty wise. So thank you for oh, sharing thank you. with me. Um, guys, and also thank you, audience, guys, for listening to us. Um, it's the Perfect Ten Podcast on all things comedy. And uh, please tell 10 people. Come back next week. You can find me anywhere online, just L-A-H-N-A-T-U-R-N-E-R. And I will check in with you next week. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Perfect Ten. Tune in next week when we'll do it again. Hit up Facebook and Twitter and tell all of your friends and... Well, you get the idea. Subscribe. Visit our page on iTunes. Leave us plenty of comments and a high rating. Check out our website at perfect10pod.com. We'll see you next week. Suckers.